Welcome to the Chill with Phil weekly podcast. Everything about e-commerce, digital marketing, growth hacking, strategies, and more. If you're passionate about these topics, you will definitely want to hang out with us the next hour. Now, here's your host, Phil Kiprianu. Hey guys, this is Phil Kiprianu for Chill with Phil. Everything about e-commerce, digital marketing, growth hacking, affiliate marketing, and much more. And if you're passionate like me, you will definitely want to hang out with us the next hour. Today, our special guest, Jonathan Kennedy, owner of Store Tasker, A. Carson, two online services dedicated to e-commerce store owners that are looking highly for vetted Shopify expert that can help you in various tasks from design, coding, mods, up to marketing. So, John. Jonathan, thank you very much for hanging out with me today on the Chill with Phil show. Yeah, thanks, Phil. It's awesome to be be with you, man. I, I really appreciate the invite, and uh, yeah, it should be fun. Let's yes. <laughs> so Jonathan and I knows for what, like almost four years or more. I don't yeah, remember exactly, but one thing that tied us together is basically we launched our Shopify group really, really near at the same date uh, back then. Um, we had a chance to hold an event together in 2015, something like that. Yeah. Um, and we are serving at the end, uh, the same community, which are mostly e-commerce owners, Shopify more specific at a certain point. Uh, it's part of our community. And, um, yeah, so, uh, we'll come in. It's, Totally amazing to have you because you've been traveling like crazy also for the past couple of years. Your business is grow- growing like hell, uh, like we can say, and um, and you have a super tight schedule. So thank you for uh, for getting into uh, today. Um, yeah. First of thing, I mean, um, I mean, you were doing before marketing. You had like multiple business together, but what brought you basically to, uh, because you were not really into the e-commerce sphere, if I remember back in the days prior to the Shopify yeah. group. So what brought you basically into that? So yeah, thanks. Thanks for the intro. And, and I think it's, it's great. Um, it, it's great to, to be on here with you. I think. I started in e-commerce back in 2002. So I was selling, oh. I was selling on eBay. So my, my past is really e-commerce, but around 2010, I started a, a marketing agency with a partner and uh, we moved to the Philippines to launch it. And that kind of, um, I, I left that partnership in 2014. And the first thing I did when I left was I started an e-commerce store on the WooCommerce platform. I think, you know, e-commerce is just kind of like the, the easiest business model online to understand and to execute on. So it's something that I did the morning after I, you know, I, I left this partnership and, um, that was at the end of 2014. And very quickly I realized uh, as a non-technical person running an online business, um, I, I felt limited, you know? So I wanted to push the e-commerce store. I decided I got some good advice from a buddy to move it over to Shopify. And I did. And I got more done on the Shopify store myself than I did on the WooCommerce store with a developer working almost full time. And that really lit, you know, lit up my mind on, on the opportunities in this space. And that was early 2015. Um, and that's when we started our Facebook groups for the Shopify communities. I started it because I was this just, I, we were traveling Asia with my wife and I was in a co-working place. I was super lonely. Like even in a co-working place, I I was lonely. I had no, um, like I had no connections with people. So 
Facebook groups started to come on, you know, quite popular back then. Uh, not for Shopify though. Like if mm-hmm. you remember when we started our groups, there were maybe two, three yeah. Facebook groups. I, I, today, last I counted a few months ago, there's over 250 Shopify specific Facebook groups. So that has really been diluted. And I commend you for keeping yours going. And it's, it's, uh, you know, I know that it's been a challenge. So yeah, when I got into that, that group started to, to roll that spring. And I really saw an opportunity for this, just people hitting walls with their Shopify store as easy as it was. Mm-hmm. They still wanted to make changes and, and grow beyond the limitations of their theme or their apps. And they didn't have budgets for agencies, mm-hmm. right? They didn't even have budgets for co- like really high quality freelance developers. So we came in with a product, um, Hey Carson, which was a small task subscription service basically like inspired by something in the WordPress space called WP curve, which had been running already for a couple years. And I just adapted that small task business over to the Shopify world and it got more traction than my store at the time. So I decided to uh, stop the store and really focus on becoming a Shopify expert. And yeah, since then that, that's basically it. Th- those are the beginnings. Um, but my heart, and my work has always been in, in e-commerce um, for many years. That's totally amazing. And so A. Carson was born at that time, uh, fulfilling basically demands or probably market gap that you were seeing. I remember like some of our conversation, you were talking to me about, you know, the Shopify forum, because Shopify, I had basically some sort of expert forum at that point. Mm-hmm. And you felt that there was still a gap there. Um, was this the trigger that brought you getting a Carson up and running? Yeah, I think, I think I was part of their, their online forums very early on, like again, to kind of communicate with other store owners, but also because I had this four or five years of running a marketing agency and it, you know, it, it went really well at first and then it didn't go so well at the end, but in that four or five years, I learned so many things. So once, once I got into the Shopify world, I realized that all my failures were actually beneficial to other people. Mm. So I, I got into the forms on Shopify and, you know, I think back then that I, I was just like excited to share my knowledge and I was getting killed by the spam cop. Um, even as like a fellow store owner in their, in their community forms, it was a bit buggy. It wasn't set up for me to come in and really engage like the way that I was engaging. So I, that was the trigger for the Facebook group. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share and I was working remotely and traveling. And I think, um, the forms were my, my outlet. And when I realized I can control the conversation with the group, I think I got really excited about that. Yes. Because basically it was easier for you to communicate and share and not having someone uh, watching you and banning you for anything or limiting you for sharing because they wanted like to control uh, yeah. stuff, you know? And, and let, I'll, I'll be clear about that. It wasn't, it wasn't really like people at Shopify saying, you know, this, this post is not good. I think they had, they had some issues where they're with their automated spam system. I don't know mm-hmm. if they've fixed that. I haven't really gone back much to that, to that form. Mm-hmm. Um, just out of, out of just, lack of time, but, um, but I, I think they've fixed it. And I think they've moved over their official forms to another, another, uh, sir, another provider. Very okay. recently. 
Yeah. So, um, so then what, uh, what came after is store tasker, store tasker. I remember the early days and I, I feel that the goal there was to bring, um, probably much more deepness or much more, um, uh, communication, collaboration with the service and the, the people you were working with to fulfill this task. How yeah. this came, uh, how this came out. So being in the small task space with the lower budgets and everything, we really, we really saw that the whole market, like Shopify merchants in the lower to middle tiers were vastly underserved. A lot of them were going to Upwork. Mm -hmm. um, we were trying to serve them as well as we could with our service at Carson, but we had an upper limit. Like we would only take on projects, tasks up to one or two hours. So And, and that's difficult for non-technical merchants to understand. And we always understood, we always felt that they didn't know what a one hour development job meant. Um, so we invited them to ask us anything. And at one point we were, we were rejecting or turning away about 30, 40% of the requests that were mm -hmm. coming our way. And we didn't have anywhere to send them. Um, their budgets were still too low for what was in the Shopify experts directory. Like, In the, in the experts directory at, at the time, um, you basically had to approach an agency or a qualified developer with at least a few thousand dollars in budget. Mm -hmm. And, and that's at the minimum. And, or you couldn't do a one hour task or a two hour task. You really had to commit to a 20 or 30 hour bank of, you know, projects. Um, and that just wasn't feasible for most of the people. So we again were inspired by the WordPress space. Um, Uh, you know, I can be very open. There was a, a, an amazing platform out of Denmark called Codable mm -hmm. that, that does exactly what we do, um, for the WordPress space. So we, we really use them as a beacon for StoreTasker, um, to serve the, the mid market for Shopify merchants. So that means anybody who would have a project under $5,000. So from $65 to five grand, basically. Um, they could go to StoreTasker and connect with a developer that would be willing to have a conversation with them. Um, and the developers on StoreTasker are vetted freelancers, whereas on Carson, they were front-end developers, and we really had a strict upper limit. Mm. So, yeah, so that's Carson or StoreTasker started just a few months after after Carson to serve this middle market. And, um, man, it's been it's been a crazy three or four years. Uh, three years, and now we have a pool of 75-80 vetted experts. Wow. And um, over 15,000 merchants have, have used StoreTasker to get, you know, jobs done from development, design, technical marketing. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's, been a, it's been a difficult but um, rewarding journey. That's um, crazy. So, basically... Um, When we're talking about, uh, the way it is working store tasker, uh, compared to a Carson, we, um, the people write in, I mean, they create this link a bit like an upward. They're going after the, the people or what are, are they exactly doing to get, um, this, I mean, the vetted like Shopify expert inside. Okay, that's a good question. I think this is a difference that's not obvious from the outside, but one of the main issues we noticed with merchants going to Upwork, for example, mm -hmm. is you post a project, it can be detailed, it can be vague, 
very, very quickly after you post it, um, you would get 20, 30, 40 people bidding on your project. Right. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, like if you want to make the right decision, you have to put in the time to like screen and go through all of these bids and merchants with the 30 other things they have to do. They just don't have the time to do it properly. Mm-hmm. They also don't have the ex, most of them don't have the expertise to do it properly. Like a non-technical person needs a lot of experience to properly interview a designer or a developer. So on store tasker, what we did is you submit the project and the project gets claimed by one expert at a time. That expert is vetted by us first. So they've gone through a series of tests personality, skill, character, experience. And the merchant has one conversation at a time. So they're not bombarded mm-hmm. by 40 different experts, experts, some of which are not really experts. Um, and Upwork doesn't really monitor. I think they started to recently, but in the past, they haven't really monitored the quality of, of the experts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a lot of them were generalists. They weren't Shopify specific. Store Tasker is really focused on the Shopify merchant. We don't serve uh, e-commerce, any other e-commerce platforms, which is, which I think is a, is a big advantage. And another advantage for merchants is that all the experts are collaborating and connected in the back. So there's a community of people in the back. So when you hire one shop, one Store Tasker expert, um, you're kind of hiring the community in the back. So there's a, a, a lot of collaboration happening in Slack. If, if experts are running into issues with certain challenges and certain projects. Um, yeah. So there's a few things there. And a lot of the problems we noticed on Upwork were also happening in the shop, in the official Shopify experts directory in, in a slightly different way. Like you could be a new or upcoming merchant and you'd have a hard time getting an answer by an expert from the official Shopify experts directory. Yeah. Um, so we saw some quality issues in the space and we tried to kind of hone in on the quality of those interactions to reduce the risk for merchants. Cause it's risky, right? Yeah. If you're going to take, if you're going to take a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand and hire like a strange expert to help you with, with your, your, your livelihood, like your business. Um, a lot of people make, there's a lot of room for making mistakes there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the number one thing on Upwork is people get sucked into making their decision based on price. Yeah. And, you know, we, you just have to go through that one bad experience and then you, and you get it. But making a decision based on price is, is very often like a mistake. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. Think- Totally understand that. Went through that multiple times, especially with designers. Until I figure out, I found like very good designers. Yeah, you pay the price, but I mean, you don't have to do anything. I mean, they understand you well. They know where you're going to. And at the end, I mean, the customer is just like super happy uh, with your product because it was exactly what uh, you were looking for. You know, they were looking for. So uh, that makes total sense. So basically, you're like a headhunter for the people that are looking for tasks for small project or for small, um, I mean, modification and things like that. It's exactly that you're, 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 uh, vetting everyone. You're making sure that they fits. They fits also with your core, uh, let's say philosophy also of source store tasker, but you make sure that, um, the end user experience will be the best as possible. 
Yeah, exactly. At, at the end of the day, like people, like you want to hire a nice professional skilled expert, right? Mm-hmm. And I put a lot of emphasis on the word nice because delivering a service and hiring for a service is, is a very difficult thing to master. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things don't go as smoothly as you'd hope. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, you, you want to be with someone who's, you know, who's like, like progressive and friendly, not someone who gets offended and locks you out. Or, you know, I think it goes both ways. Like experts want to work with good merchants, good merchants want to work with, you know, nice experts. Yeah. And and so those are two of the things we really focus on when bringing on store tasker experts. Are they pleasant people? Like, are they nice people to get along with? Of course, skill is important, but I think the other more, most important thing is quality of communication. I think, you know, when you have, like, let's say you have two people who master the English language. One is non-technical. One is a developer. They're already speaking two languages. Yeah. So the expert has to kind of bring themselves to the level of the merchant to speak that language. Now, if there are language barriers on top of that, um, it adds to the chances that there's going to be complications in the project. Mm-hmm. So, so the store tasker experts do have to be, you know, native English speakers until we kind of decide to expand into other languages. But right now it's an English only platform. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the task that the, the, the most asked task to be done or what are the best pimp, <laughs> pimp my store type of stuff that people are asking right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, you've probably heard it over and over again. People want their stores to be like optimized for speed, right? Yeah. Everybody's saying like Google is ranking sites based on speed. And, and to be honest, like this is something that, um, a website owner has the most control over. Like mm-hmm. y- you have control over like how things, how fast things move. There are certain limitations with Shopify stores because Shopify hosts yep. the stores. Um, and I, I have heard in the past that on different Shopify tiers, there's better server speed. I'm not sure of that, but uh, by far, like speed optimization is, is the number one, um, is the number one request. Other than that, I think a lot of people want to, they want to kind of customize their theme, their product pages on their themes to fit their business. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's like a huge, like a huge request. Common request is, um, either, you know, either changing the style or the page layout on a theme specifically for product pages, or if they've used an app, oftentimes they'll need some styling help. If that app has an effect on the design, they want to make it like seamlessly feel like it's part of the theme. Mm -hmm. And um, so those are, those are the most common things. Uh, Custom, you know, custom landing pages are also very common. Um, What else? Just even a lot of times, like, Apps can be overwhelming for people, but they know they need them. So just like setups and integrations of very popular apps like, like Clavio, like, um, bold subscriptions, you know, these, these apps are very useful to people, but they're not so easy to just like execute on. Yeah. So people are looking also for help, uh, in terms of apps as well for the setup, for the integration and things like that. Um, one thing we have to understand also is the kind of customers that are going after store tasker, you know, what kind of user you have in your platform, let's say, or what are the most common people that are coming for a service like store tasker? 
So we have, I mean, it follows with the typical Shopify store user, like 80% of Shopify store owners are solo entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I got this number from, from Shopify maybe last year. I don't know if it's changed at all. So most of these people are working alone and they might have, they're more often than not, they're in their first or second year of business. Um, we do have, we do have a, a handful of Shopify plus stores that, um, that come to store tasker because they're, they're not quite ready for the hundred, hundred and fifty dollars an hour of like a high level agency. Yeah. And, and like the standard rate on store tasker is $65 us for an expert. Um, so that kind of fits for some of these people who are overextended with the cost of plus. Mm. Um, but I would say typically uh, a lot of the stores are pre profit and they're, they're either working alone or they have like very small teams. Mm -hmm. And, um, in we were talking about the, the, the speed, uh, at a certain point, um, earlier and, um, People are for sure looking for that. I mean, to increase their speed. We're talking about also the limitation of Shopify because they handle part of the, I mean, they handle everything, basically the image and all this kind of thing. But, um, what do you think about apps that people are over installing, let's say, and that causes like big troubles in speed? You know, there's like some sort of balance there, but you know, when things happen like that, how do you handle that kind of thing? I think, I think the experts have, I mean, everybody, if you're, if you're experienced with Shopify, you, you know that it's Shopify has made it very easy to install apps, right? There's a big green button and, and you kind of push it mm -hmm. and you, hopefully things work out. So you get that functionality very quickly, but it's a little bit too easy. I don't think there's enough critical thinking by store owners to decide whether or not they actually need all these apps. And you've been on stores. I've been on the stores. They look like the Las Vegas strip, you know, <laughs> like lights, blinking things, snowflakes, like Easter eggs. I think, I think you can get, but I think most merchants who are serious about their business, they, they, they get that really quickly. Cause there's, mm -hmm. there's also a cost to all these apps. So once you get over the free trial, um, you start to kind of feel the the impact of the expenses mm -hmm. and then you got to kind of roll back and be like okay what do i actually need to get my store to start selling and to get get it to profitability and very often it's not more apps very often it's like better products better positioning stronger marketing and and like you can incrementally improve your store over time with either custom functionality or you know certain apps but yes. yeah Yes, and, and and that uh makes totally perfect sense because I mean first of all for I remember at a certain point I was spending probably five to seven hundred dollars per month only on apps, you know. So oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was yeah. testing a bunch of stuff and, and also you, you tend to forget that these apps are there and at a certain point even you think that I mean you really need them when you don't really need them as well. Um the cost of apps, like you say, can uh grow quickly. But the other thing also is um is what I see more now on my side is uh, a trend in terms of building your own private apps to fulfill that kind of gap or that uh, stuff that you're missing here and there, and which gives you like 100% control of, again, you know, um, the quality, uh, the speed also, because you have control on over the servers there, yeah. uh, which is something that you don't have when you're dealing with apps and have, again, a real impact on uh, on the store experience. 
Yeah, I, I think that's an important. I think that's an important um, thing to bring up. I, a lot of people, you know, the choice to build a custom app is also a costly one, mm-hmm. right? So what I what I say to people to store owners is to go investigate what's in the app store. Mm-hmm. You know, try if if this thing is really essential to helping you know you move your business along, try it out. Try out the different apps. You're gonna you, like you're always gonna see the limitations once you start using it. Mm. But that's the perfect time to decide if you need to build something custom or get something quoted for a custom function, um, rather than just jumping in and, and deciding you need a, to pay for a custom functionality. You know, use what's out there first. Understand what's like what's what that thing does and what it doesn't do for you. And when you do go to a developer to say build this out, you have this um, you have this benchmark you have this other app that you can compare to. And that's, that actually will help the developer build your custom function. Um, and, you know, don't, I think people underestimate this, but you can also give feedback to the app company and saying like, no, do you guys have this on your roadmap? Um, it's not that easy to execute on requests like that mm-hmm. as an app company, but, you know, some, some app developers are, are very quick to respond to really good ideas like that. So I'd say, yeah, I, that's the process that I would take um, if I had to build out a custom function. Yes, and uh, like you say, I think it's a very good. I'm trying here to find like the episode we had, but episode five we had uh, Bold Commerce there, and yeah. they have built a lot of private apps. And sometime, you know, exactly like you were saying, you know, if you find something that might fit or it is not 100% fitting uh, the app that is available in the app store, they might have like guys like Bold Commerce that they're building a lot of private apps might have built a variation of that app that would fit exactly what you're looking for you know Um, and the other thing also is what people tend to forget is they feel sometimes like Shopify is like this big black box that is uh, you cannot do anything anything that is not available on, on Shopify, you're not able to do it, or anything that is not made by the apps, you're not able to do it, yeah. which is much more open than you think. Mm-hmm. So, but for sure, yes, there's a cost attached to that because you need custom development. But that at the end is exactly the same thing than a WooCommerce, Magento, or any other platform when you're looking for a specific functionality that you cannot find there. Or even if you find there, you need to customize it. Uh, you will need any way to get this customization done afterward. Yeah, I think, and I think that's just typical, right? Most, of, most Shopify merchants, not all, most are not engineers. They're not technically inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you ever sit down and talk to a developer and you start getting into their heads and they start telling you what's possible and what's not, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not technical. So when I do that, I'm always like, I'm always amazed at, at what can be automated, what can be built. Yeah. Um, and so we don't have this, a lot of merchants don't have this sense of, of what's, what's possible. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's always like the, um, the idea of return on investment, right? Yeah. So don't build stuff. Don't invest in stuff. Don't even invest in apps. If it's not like really core to getting you to drive revenue and to be profitable. Yeah. Um, or, you know, save time, like replace the need to hire someone. I think that's a really big reason why people use apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I think it's just about, it's at the end of the day, it's about return on investment. 
Yeah, yeah. So, quick uh, question about Shopify because um, I think I mean uh, Shopify Unite is coming, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're always getting excited uh, to see what's going to come in. And so, basically, what's your what's your feeling like this year? What will be you think the big the biggest thing that will be unveiled, or where do you think Shopify is aiming like in the next year? What, I mean, what's your guess? <laughs> you know. You know, in the, I, I've been to Shopify Unite for three years, and it's always a great experience. I always get extreme value from connecting with other experts and partners like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get so excited that I often miss all the the talks and, and the workshops. Um, where they're going next is really difficult. You see, Shopify is now extending into they're they're very aggressively extending into other trying to build other revenue channels. Um, I I can't sit here and start to guess about, you know, where they're going from a technology standpoint. Um, they are trying to be more than an, just like an e-commerce software platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that affects us is, is we've really built out this, this expert, um, marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're also going in that direction. And I think that's going to be a big, big deal for them in the next, in the next years, Shopify knows that a lot of this value in the, in the expert services marketplace is actually being captured by platforms like Upwork, like, um, freelancer, like TopTal, um, crew. A lot of these other platforms have captured like so much of this, this services value and they want to start capturing a little bit, a little bit of that too and controlling the quality and helping their merchants, um, extend like their, business life cycle right yeah so i I don't blame them for getting into that i think it's going to be a very big deal for them and i think the expert services marketplace that they're working on is i think they're going to try to make it as big as their app store Mm -hmm. um and you know we're going to at store tasker we're going to keep doing what we doing what we're doing and we're going to do it really well and i think there's going to be a like although the way that they work like their expert services marketplace works very similar to what StoreTasker is doing. There's so much room in the market. I think like people are going, are looking in a hundred, di- can look in a hundred different directions to get service help. Mm-hmm. So I think by just by promoting the platform as a whole, it's going to create a bigger pie for us. And I really feel like that. I think, I think that's where I can make a comment in terms of where they're going. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see like, I, I'd like to see more. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I find that the communication with partners has has kind of dropped in the past year. I think so. I'd like them to to be a little bit more um, forthcoming with their intentions. But at the same time, I don't think they they have all the answers to everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited for Unite. I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be excited to see what they announce. Um, and I think partners should you know, like just stick with them and, and also be excited. Um, even if they move into a space that a partner is actually already invested in or established in, um, there's reason to, to be excited, I think. And I think a lot of people, um, can see it as a threat. Like if they have a shipping solution and you've been working on a shipping app for years, I, I just think you as a qualified you know, partner in the shipping technology space, you, you can just go way deeper than, oh, yeah. than they can. And they're going to have a product that serves, you know, who, who they want to serve. And then you can build a really great business by going deeper 
for certain users. I mean, that makes total sense because, I mean, if this is your, let's say, uh, your focus, your main focus, you will always be 10 miles in advance from what they're doing because they focus on so much things at the same time. And at the end, it's like, you know, you take Google by, by, by example, Google wants to get a hand on everything at a certain point. They're closing just their, what they acquired because they find out that, okay, finally, this is a big distraction from what we are supposed to do, you know? So there's yeah. always like that kind of stuff you need to understand is not because they're going into that right now that they might, that might be like their next, next big thing. And if they, it is their next big thing, anyway, you have all the knowledge to build something else uh, better or in another direction that will just support that platform. So... Um, another thing regarding that is you have to take, I think, like as uh, partners uh, of Shopify, that's just a channel. You know, you have to take it as a channel. Yeah. There's other e-commerce platform out there because you have the knowledge in e-commerce. There's other e-commerce uh, platform that needs that kind of knowledge or support. And um, we talked about that, I think, like a couple of weeks ago regarding, you know, your interest into probably going serving other market like Magenta or any other platform. So what's your, your thought on that now? So I, I think that's, that's a, that's a really good question. And, and, um, so I, the best decision I ever made was to build a service business above the user base of a single platform. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I think that's, that's a really great way to get started in business by, by piggybacking like a user base that exists already. So I, it not only makes it easier to get traction, but the marketing is easier. The, you know, it's more direct. You don't, you don't have to kind of, um, like if you're targeting WooCommerce, Magento and all these other platforms, you have to put resources True. into all those, those target markets. So if you're bootstrapped and trying to get into the space, I think, the folk, I, I still think it's a good decision to focus on, on Shopify users. Mm -hmm. The thing people have to be careful of is, you know, Shopify is changing very quickly. The way that they drive traffic to like apps and experts and theme builders is constantly changing. Yeah. So the mistake I think people make is they rely on that traffic to build their whole business. But as soon as you get traction, you need to diversify where, where your, your users are coming from. So. I think it's okay to build a bit, still okay to build a business on Shopify's growing user base. I think that's a safe bet. Um, you just need to be careful not to rely on their traffic too much because they can change it. Like they, they completely, um, improved and upgraded the app store last year. And I think it had a really positive effect on certain people and it had a confusing and bad effect on, on certain apps. So, um, if you, if you have people on staff, like you just can't, you just can't have one pillar of traffic or an acquisition, one acquisition channel. So how I feel about that now, I think it's still an amazing plan B for us at StoreTasker. We, we, we've built the platform so that's not dependent on any Shopify API or technology. It's, you know, we could just simply add, say one day that we're now serving WooCommerce or Magento. Um, and that would be an interesting direction, but I don't yet feel that pressure. I feel like the opportunity in the expert services marketplace is just like untapped. Yeah. Um, and as a bootstrap business owner, I have no investors. I'm just trying to build a strong business and deliver value in different directions mm -hmm. for merchants, for, 
you know, freelancers for myself and even for the Shopify ecosystem. And we're achieving that right now. Um, and it's hard, right? So the, the, dis- I'll have to have a really good reason to go into those other platforms. So we'll just see how the e-commerce space evolves and, and, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to make the right decisions moving forward. Well, I think it makes perfect sense because investing as much time as you did, you know, understanding that, um, getting into a new community, it's feasible, but it takes a lot of time and doesn't, uh, doesn't guarantee you will have also the same kind of success. And you don't know as well, uh, the, the different challenge that is behind that, you know, and especially yeah. when you're going into open source communities, because open source communities have been there for a long time. I was just reading like about press the shop, you know, they have over 1 million people in their community, wow. which is totally huge. I mean, it's a very good market, but there's so many people that are doing so many stuff. Yeah. And, um, basically how diluted it is, you know, how diluted it is for a service like yours at the end that wants to offer that kind of service that fits perfectly the personal of Shopify stores, but would it fit, uh, the personal of, let's say, press the shop or WooCommerce, but would it would like better for, I don't know, uh, Magento. So that, that's again, you know, it's like, um, playing with that factors and challenges that you are, so um, many factors. Yeah. E- exactly. So many factors. Another important factor is we vetted the expert pool for their Shopify expertise, right? Yeah. So we'd have to start over or convince them, some of them to start, you know, serving other platforms like BigCommerce, Squarespace. There's so many. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, <laughs> and I, I just think the Shopify space, the, the user base is, is very healthy. It's growing. The opportunity is growing. Um, and, you know, if, if we have all these experts doing, you know, dozens of Shopify projects every month, some of them are, you know, our, our top expert has completed over 700 projects ranging, ranging from one to 20 hours. It's amazing. You like how much better, how much skilled is that expert now with the Shopify platform? Um, versus if he was, if his attention, his or her attention was split over, you know, several platforms, right? Oh. There's enough for an expert. There's more than enough for an expert to master in the Shopify ecosystem for merchants, like to deliver a good service to merchants. That um, I think the focus on one platform for StoreTasker and the experts has like immeasurable value in the end. Totally. So, what's your next step now for uh, StoreTasker? Where are you aiming to? So we've done. I mean, we've done a really great job. Uh, working with other partners in the ecosystem that don't provide services. So mm-hmm. like app developers, um, theme developers, and actually agencies who have like high minimums. So mm-hmm. we've, we've created this, this steady flow of leads and the expert side of the platform is very well developed. Um, the experts, I think, love the platform. They, they love the philosophy. What we want to do is we want to create that love on the merchant side of the platform. So right now it's for the merchants. It's just submit your project and connect with a really good expert, but we want to add a bit more value for them. So we're going to work on that in the next, um, in the next six months so that, you know, they own their account and, and they're proud of it. And they have this one place to go to get to break through challenges really quickly without any BS of, you know, in the outsourcing process, they know they're going to get something done here. And if anything goes wrong, we got their backs. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of accountability and we're just chipping away at all the friction in the outsourcing process 
element by element. Um, yeah. And I think we're still, I'm still happily running the Hey Carson service also. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're doing some interesting things there to make it evolve, um, beyond just a service. So we're, we're getting into the, the app space with Carson. Um, so I got a lot of things, a lot of things going on, but, um, at the end of the day, we're just trying to help more Shopify merchants succeed. And, um, yeah, I'm just, we're just sticking with it. I think. Yeah. That's amazing. Jonathan Kennedy, thank you very much for hanging out with us uh, today. It was amazing. Got a lot of insights as well about the, your business. Guys, if you have any tasks to do, make sure you jump in storetasker.com. I think, I mean, the service is great. People are great. It's fun working with them. We already had like this own experience myself and some of our clients that we referred to. So I can't put my stamp of approve on this service. That's for sure without any problem. Um, anything else to, to say about, uh, Jonathan before we leave? Uh, I don't think we mentioned the name of my Facebook group. So I'll oh, just say it. it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, Shopify Entrepreneurs. Uh, we just ask that you be a live store owner, a live Shopify store owner to join. And um, if anybody has questions about anything we've said today or just wants to reach out, partner, or ask me anything about you know being in the Shopify ecosystem, uh, john at storetasker.com. Um, is the best way to reach me. And I usually get back to emails within a, you know, max a couple of days. So yeah, Phil, thanks, man. I really, I really have fun talking to you. I think, um, I, I think we have a great friendship and, and, you know, I think I'd love to do more collaboration with you. I think that event we did a few years ago was a hit and it yeah. could have been the beginning of a franchise event. Um, but for some reason, you know, we, we, we both have families and kids and different businesses. So. Um, yeah, I, I'd be happy to do something with you again. In the oh, for, sh- for sure. We'll, we'll try to find out the, this out and now we can make it up in another, uh, Shopify kind or e-commerce kind of event, uh, yeah, down here for sure. No worries. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for having me, man. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Thanks as well. Guys, thank you for very much for hanging out with us today. Thank you again, Jonathan. Uh, see you next week with another episode of Chill with Phil. Ciao, guys. You've just listened to the Chill with Phil podcast with your host, Phil Kiprianu. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play and catch our next episode.